One of my mentors, self-made billionaire here in Omaha, who I've known for 25 years, I said, you know, how'd you build your business? Says, Ron, hire the best people you can find, get the heck out of their way. And I would say that is magical. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset Show. This is a podcast about the financial, money, and recreational mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. Let's dive into today's show. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, founder and wealth advisor at Midland Financial and your host for the Midland Money Mindset Show. I am really excited for today's guest. We have Ron Carson, who's the founder and CEO of Carson Group. Carson Group serves financial advisors and investors through its businesses, including Carson Wealth, Carson Coaching, and Carson Partners. And I'm really excited to have Ron talk about Carson Partners because Midland Financial is now officially a Carson partner. Founded in 1983, Carson Wealth has grown to become one of the largest wealth management firms in the country, offering portfolio management and wealth planning services to high net worth clients. Ron is a sought-after guest and speaker in the industry and very well-known in financial services in general. And quite frankly, just an all-around great guy. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you, so let's jump right in. Ron Carson, thanks for being here with us, Ron. Larry, thank you for having me. Thank you for taking out your time to be here. I'm going to jump right in. I really want to know, can you give our listeners a brief history of how Carson Group came to be? I sure can. And if it's not too boring, I might go back a little further than people want. But I think it's important to understand the context of how Carson came into being. I grew up on a farm just north of Omaha. My entire life, I thought I was going to be a farmer. In 1982, some of People listening to this can relate. Interest rates hit 21.5% interest on the prime. You know, as we look at interest rates today at almost zero, it's hard to imagine that we lived in that. Crazy, crazy. And farming was tough and my parents went broke farming and it was pretty devastating. My dad was like, Ronnie, you're going to need to find something else to do. I came to support you, your mother and your sister. And I was reading an article in study hall shortly after that. And Money Magazine had an article and it listed top professions of the future. And one was to be right at the top of the list is become a certified financial planner. I thought, you know what, I'm going to do that. And I uh, went to the University of Nebraska and literally simultaneously while I was there, started this business out of my college dorm room while pursuing my CFP. Incidentally, interesting side note to that story my wife and I love going to Napa Valley and we go to the wine auction pretty much every year. And I was at an event three years ago and a lady said, oh, you're from Nebraska. What do you do? And she goes, how did you get involved? I told that story and she got the biggest smile on her face and she said, 
I was with Money Magazine. I wrote that article. I'm like, oh, wow. Gosh, I owe you my, <laughs> basically. And so when I first started, Larry, our profession was very opaque, right? You really didn't know who was making what. It was fraught with all kinds of trap, I would call them trap doors. There was a famous book written called Liar's Poker. It was about Solomon Brothers and about how they were gouging people on bond transactions. And in some cases, the gentleman talked about making a million dollars on a bond transaction because people didn't know what the markup was on the bond. And I would call myself when I first started a total unconscious incompetent. I didn't know what I was doing, but I didn't know I didn't know. And I was listening to you go to a conference and you would hear people talk and here's how you sell this to the client. And there was so much legalese on the stuff. It was really hard to even know. And the disclosure requirements weren't nearly as clear as they are today, although they're still not very clear. But just imagine them worse than what they are today, which is hard to imagine for the average person to figure out what the heck they own. And I Listen, I had a similar experience in my career when I started in 1996. It was very similar in that you only know what you know. And it, it was a tremendous learning experience. It really was. So as I progressed through my career, I started to get just really skeptical, I guess is the word about, you know, there's been some bad things happen. People lost a lot of money. There's a bunch of partnerships being done where the consumer didn't have a chance. And I was like, there's got to be a better way of doing this business. And I remember in 1994, I was at a conference and they were talking about the RIA space. It was itty bitty cottage industry then and how you could do things that you really literally sit on the same side of the table as a client, that there wasn't a transaction needed to happen for someone to make money, that it really aligned your interest. And I remember I was sitting at a table with 20 other advisors roughly, and they all thought it was the worst idea in the world. And I came back to my motel room and I told my wife, I go, there's something I learned today that's going to change the way I do business. And that was really back in 1994, I really got on the bandwagon to be an RIA, a registered investment advisor. And we'll probably get into the difference between an RIA and a broker. But as the years have gone by, I've realized that there's a handful of advisors out there that are truly every moment. And that's why you and I are partners, Larry. You put your client's interests first. You constantly think, how can I serve them at a higher level? And my quest was, and I also have a coaching consulting business, and I saw some of the best advisors in there so frustrated because they couldn't do business at the level they wanted to. I was like, what if I could create an ecosystem, partnerships with like a Fidelity and a TD and the best subject matter experts I could find? And I delivered this in a, a seamless experience for advisors and then the clients we ultimately serve what would that mean? And so that's a fast track that, that really runs you from 1983 to 2012. And it's from 2012 to now, when we launched our first office in this new way of doing business, we've been on the Inc. 5,000 fastest growing companies four years in a row, which only 4% of companies do that. And I don't tell you that to impress you, but I press upon you that this is being well-received by the marketplace, that they love the total transparency, the total commitment to the client. I really think of this as being as much of a consumer movement as anything. So, I agree. And that's why we're joining it. Yeah. I've been, I've been more excited here. 
over the last few years and then all my past career together, I feel like financial services, Larry, for so long has overcharged and underdelivered. And I can, with a clear conscience, say we are undercharging and overdelivering in the experience that we're now providing the consumer. I agree. And that's why the RIA space really started it. And then I think what you've done thus far has really kind of fine-tuned that space into a more efficient better operation for us as advisors, our firms, our stakeholders, and most importantly, our clients. Ron, building Carson Group, what has it taught you? I mean, I'm sure there have been a number of lessons, but what are some of the top two or three lessons that it's taught you? Well, one is nothing worthwhile is easy. I think about this journey I've been on, Larry, over the last eight years, and if someone would have said, if they could have said, I'm going to show you ahead of time what it's going to take, I'd love to say, oh, I would have done it anyways. I'm not so sure I would have. I now know why people struggle with getting integrations to work and then cutting through bureaucratic red tape. Even with the regulators, it's crazy that some of the things that are totally in the client's best interest, one regulator doesn't want you to do and the other regulator wants you to do. And we're in a weird position where we're actually regulated by two different regulators, right? By FINRA and SEC, because I still believe that that is the best way to serve the client. And we can come back to that later. But if nothing worthwhile is easy. Number two, one of my mentors, self-made billionaire here in Omaha, who I've known for 25 years, I said, you know, how'd you build your business? Says, Ron, hire the best people you can find, get the heck out of their way. And I would say that is magical, right, in really surrounding ourselves with really good people. And then finally, culture is everything. If I used to give a talk that culture eats strategy for lunch, if you don't have an alignment of your partners, I don't want to have groupthink because we do have a diversity of thoughts. We have a battling of ideas all the time. But we're always asking this question, how do we better serve the people we serve? our clients, and the advisors we serve. And if you always start with that, then we can disagree. And there's many times I'm proud to say that I am so wrong. I don't feel like I have to have all the answers. And I sometimes will say, I'm going to disagree, but I'm going to commit. I'm going to get behind it. And more times than not, the other ideas are better than my ideas. And I think we live in a world where a lot of entrepreneurs are successful. I was successful to some degree early on. And because of that, I defended everything I knew and felt comfortable with. I don't do that anymore. And that I always thought I had to be a library of information. And now I've learned to be a librarian. I need to know where to find that information. There's no way you or I can retain all the knowledge we know to serve our clients at the highest level. So now you and I have some of the top subject matter experts in the world on topics that we need to dive deep into. Absolutely. And I think you hit on something that's extremely important. And one of the reasons why we decided to partner up with you is the culture aspect. We feel that culture is extremely important in an organization as you do. Can you give the listeners an idea of how you would describe the culture at Carson and its commitment to everybody, the stakeholders, the partner firms, the clients, et cetera? Yeah, I love to. When you walk in our office, if you walk in the front, there's a client bill of rights, right? It's this is what our entire organization aspires to deliver to our clients. And it's around returning calls, prompt service, 
always doing what's in their best interest. I mean, there's a whole list of what we do. But if you come in, we don't call them employees and staff. We have internal stakeholders and internal stakeholders. So if you come through the internal stakeholder entrance, there's a sign there that says, work hard, have fun, right? And give it your best. And that's really one of our core values that I think is most important around our culture is giving it your all, even when it's not convenient for you to do so, right? And if you're part of a team, right? You have other teammates, team. you have to, you don't want to let them down. Yeah. Matter of fact, I just got through with my leadership group for the last two hours. We're getting ready for one of our big meetings and we're going through in every department, they have their goals for the year. I said, I want to do something a little different. I want to have everybody look at our everybody else's goals and say, here's the top two or three things I can do to help you hit your goals. And actually, let's codify what those are. So because we know what we need to do, but so often we don't realize how our action impacts others. Second culture at Carson is continuous innovation. And so we have a thing called the Rise to Innovation Series. Oh, probably more than seven or eight years ago, I thought we need to hire a chief innovations officer. I was having breakfast one morning with Abby Johnson, who is now the CEO of Fidelity. And I said to Abby, where do I find a chief innovations officer? She goes, well, Fidelity doesn't have one. I said, what do you mean? You guys spend $3 billion a year on technology. You don't have a chief innovations officer. She goes, we charge everybody at Fidelity with being innovative. And I thought, wow, how powerful. So we started this Rise to Innovation. So we have a contest every year with all of our stakeholders to submit ideas outside of their area on how we can either A, improve the client experience, or two, drive increased productivity, which ultimately is good for the consumer because we can keep our costs down while expanding the experience. We've had that now for three years. Last year, we had 60-some ideas come out of it. And there's some element of almost every idea that we're able to apply. The third part of our culture is we want to operate in the third dimension of trust. And I always think of trust as being three levels. The first level for anybody doing business with anybody is, especially in as it comes to a financial transaction, is, is my money safe? Are they going to steal my money? It's been a long time since we've heard of Madoff, but there's still scams and schemes going on out there, Larry. And being that we're in New York, it's something that people are still very aware of and know of. So it's, I'm glad you're addressing this. As long as you're with a reputable firm, like a custodian, like a Fidelity, a Schwab, a TD, you don't have to worry about it because it's we don't take direct custody of assets. So not a hard hurdle to overcome. And unfortunately, those scams work because people try to promise something that's not possible. Madoff, it was... 12% a year without any market risk. Just not possible. The second element dimension of trust is, is my advisor going to put my interests ahead of his own and the company he or she represents? Unfortunately, 65 to 68%, depending upon the survey and the time, but it stayed like this for some time, of Americans do not trust that that's going to happen. That's a much more formidable hurdle that we have to overcome. We've overcome that. I mean, we get tremendous feedback from our clients. So they know we're not going to steal their money. We know that we're going to put their interests ahead of our own. But the next one's most exciting. And you can't go to the next rung until you satisfy the first. But the third is how do we anticipate a client's need before they even know 
they have the need. And with technology, and I'll give you a good example of this, and we're rolling out a tax artificial intelligence software. So what it'll do is it used to take us a couple of hours to do a client's tax return, maybe an hour, maybe three, depending upon the complexity. But the technology now can do that in a matter of minutes. But what's really exciting isn't that it can do it in a matter of minutes, is that it remembers all that data. And so there's a tax law change, which there's going to be no matter who wins the election, or if there's a change in status with our client, it'll automatically flag if there's an opportunity. So now we can literally tell a client, we're going to be looking at your tax stuff 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. And Larry, we're not that far away from some of the financial planning engines to be able to do this for our clients as well, where we can plug data. You got to have clean data. And we've spent tens of millions of dollars at Carson to get data into a data warehouse so we can actually take these new technologies and have them for the benefit of our clients without having a major migration or getting backed into a corner. So I'd say innovation is a big piece of that, which leads us into the third dimension of trust. And then finally, that culture is also about getting stuff done. When it's all said and done, a lot more gets said than gets done today in society. People talk a lot, but do they do a lot? And we talk about Q and AQ at Carson IQ, implementation quotient, right? It's not about your intelligence. It's about showing up and doing what you say you're going to do. The other is AQ, adaptability quotient. None of us can possibly anticipate who knew a year ago that we were going to have in two months the best employment numbers our country's ever seen and two months later the worst. There's no way to have anticipated that, right? And these are not black swan events. These are the future. The things are going to happen at an accelerated pace. And so we have to be in a position to actually innovate, react, and harness the power of new technologies. And probably everybody listening to this is probably an Amazon Prime user. And no one can tell me all the different technologies that they switched out over the last 10 years to make that a better experience because no one cares. You just want to know it's working. It does what it says it's going to do. And you're being treated fairly. And that's exactly what we're trying to do with the technologies is deliver, delight the consumer and exceed expectations. And that's really a cultural mindset through all those elements that we have at the Carson Group. It's amazing, especially in the year that we've had, to have that technology at our fingertips to help navigate people through these times. That technology just makes that so much easier to be able to do that. And like you said, if this is going to be the new normal, to have those tools at your disposal puts you and your clients light years ahead of where other firms are currently uh, who are just struggling to get even to a low level of being able to do that. It's quite amazing. We're building a 100-year firm. And this is part of why people come. We've had people relocate here from the West Coast, the East Coast to be part of this. This is not something that's being built to be sold like most firms today. And someone says, well, why? It's like, well, because someone that comes to work at Carson wants to have local, national, and global impact. And so we take a lot of what we earn and we put it back into lots of what I think are very worthwhile things to just improve society. I think privately, we can do that much better than we can allocating these resources to the government. And so 
I want this to well last well beyond me and my life. And I can look at Carson, I can see two generations of leadership that are there that are equity owners at the firm. And I hope it goes well beyond 100, but I thought 100 was a good place to start. Sounds like a great starting place. There. (laughs) There you go. You touched on this a little bit, but clients always hear or sometimes now are hearing more about the putting the client first. And I know that our clients in particular know how we have a tendency to put them first and what that means. From a Carson standpoint, what does it mean putting the client first? A lot is said, but not done and followed up on. But in this case, it is. And I think it's important for people to understand what does that really mean to us? Let me give you some concrete examples, like what we actually did. And I'll go back to the shortly before I launched Partners, we were using a lot of product called Structured Notes. And a structured note basically is a financial instrument that is structured in such a way that you know you can narrow the outcomes. And the structured note we were using at the time were a lot of principal guarantee that the client can lose any money, but if they had upside participation. And so I went to Deutsche Bank and we wanted to put together a structured note that was around currencies, right? I don't want to get too technical here. I was like, okay, we can commit to $50 million, but I want you to take most of the costs that are associated with this because we're committing to $50 million. So we negotiated a much, much lower fee than what the client was able to get if they were to go buy this from just a retail broker, right? So we committed to this, we developed it, we developed the strategy. And so the markets are moving in our favor, this thing is going up in value. And then one day I log on and I see that the value has taken a big hit. I mean, not just like a point, it went down like 5% in a day. And so I was getting people on the line. What happened? Did the currencies go against us? No, they actually didn't move much. And finally, the company said, well, we had the right to actually accelerate all of our fees and take them out at one time. And we did that. And it just, infuriated me. It's like, what do you mean you can do that? I mean, this is again, where if you're not an attorney reading through this stuff. And so that was really the very beginning of me saying, I'm not going to be part of this anymore. Even when you're trying to do it and you're taking all your resources and you're trying to do the right thing for the client. And by the way, the footnote is to that, I did get them to put it back and take it out the way that our clients and we all expected they were going to take their fee out over a period of six years. That says a lot. That's putting the client first. There's a lot of firms. First. A lot of firms would have been, okay, listen, this is the way it is and we'll deal with it and we'll just have to explain it away instead of making them retract and retrace on what they were supposed to do. Yes. And so what we did, Larry, and there was a lot of other issues with structured notes that I didn't like. One was transparency, one was liquidity. So we built our own and we actually use treasuries and we're able to do it so the client can actually see and see the outcome and see the downward protection. The other one, partnerships. A lot of these partnerships, as I had mentioned, are full of the client by the time a dollar gets invested, many times only 70 cents ever finds its way into an investment. So when the crisis hit, we're like, wow, there's a big opportunity with single family housing. So we put some funds together with our partners out of the Drellick Brothers out of North Carolina, and we did some housing funds. And we negotiated phenomenal terms with our clients without front-end fees and back-end fees. And there was an alignment of interest with the way it was structured. Our clients did really, really well. 
it wasn't a typical the way everybody had their hand in the till on that. And then most recently, and I'm just kind of jumping all over the place in the financial crisis, we came out with strategies that we thought would do well. And we launched several right in the, the teeth of COVID because, wow, this is going to be good. And right now we're in the process. I've just been in meetings the last few days on election protection hedges, which is something that is innovative, that it takes a lot of additional work. We don't make any additional money for doing it, but it's right. in the client's best interest. And so there's four concrete examples of how we're constantly thinking Yeah. So I think what we're saying here, and I think those are great examples, is it's not about just having an annual meeting with a client and telling them how they did. That's great. And you have to do that stuff. But it's really a lot of this stuff, quote unquote, are things that the client does not necessarily have access to or see. But it's all happening in their best interests. And it may be buried in the prospectus that we're doing the right thing and in their best interest. And it's our job to relay that to them and show them that it's not just, hey, we're doing what we're supposed to do. We're doing far beyond that and making sure we're acting in your best interest 24-7. And Larry, here's another example. This one's a biggie because there's billions of dollars lost every year to this and people don't even know it. And that is right now, interest rates are almost zero. About a year ago, they were higher than zero. And many times people are using money market accounts that there's a huge fee. Let's say a money market is only a year ago, say it's yielding 2%. There are times when 50 basis points is being taken out in the form of a management fee. And that's just unheard of. It's unconscionable that that's even allowed. And we've always swept to the absolute highest because we're not taking anything. We're not getting anything. And we don't want other people making a big spread on that. There's a lot of silent ways that a consumer may not even realize that they're paying a huge fee. And I take banks as an example. Most clients love their banks. Right. Today you're getting zero. If you knew the bank was charging you a 90% management fee on cash, (laughs) you had to rebate, write them a check. Right. No one would do it. You wouldn't do it. It's all netted before they even credit the account. You don't notice it. And order flows and execution. These are other areas we monitor all the time. You don't know if you could have bought Johnson & Johnson for 10 cents less if you would have executed it somewhere else. Absolutely. To see the confirmation or goes in your portfolio. No one should have to watch stuff. That's what they rely on us to watch on their behalf to be a consumer advocate. 100%. And this is, again, why and one of the many reasons that we are becoming a partner, we're going to be, we are a partner firm. Can you tell us a little bit about your interest in Midland being a partner firm and also maybe in general what you're looking for in partner firms? Yeah. And Larry, when you ask that question, I get asked all the time, where do you want to be? And I go, geographically, we don't care. What we care about is the quality of the people. And if we didn't care, if we were just in being as big as we can be, we'd be three times bigger today than we are. I ask myself this one fundamental question is, if I were to die tonight, the people, the process, and the partners, would I trust my partners to handle my family's wealth if I weren't around? And that's the litmus test. As you know, we did a ton of due diligence on you. You did a ton of due diligence on us. This wasn't a easy process. It wasn't a fast process, but we want to make sure that we're aligning ourselves with people because we're going to rely on you as you're in the trenches and you're talking to clients and you're getting feedback 
what makes our value proposition continuously get better is we have doers like you that are in the trenches that will give us great feedback on how we can improve what we do and how we serve. And we're not looking for people that are looking for a succession or want to quit the business or make a quick buck on a sale. I have eight years of college payments coming up. I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) It's coming down the pike. And ultimately, Larry, we want people that that have already demonstrated that they have cared for their clients at the highest level. And the only reason they're joining us is they feel like they can take it to another level in care and commitment and service to their client. Yeah, the way I look at it is, and, and kind of how I relay it is, I'm looking for a way, and I think what this is going to accomplish, I know this is going to accomplish, is allow us to give the client a better experience, grow quicker, be smarter, and do things faster for them, which is in the age of Amazon Prime, that's what clients are looking for and needing. Along those lines, what are some of the benefits and enhancements that clients should expect to receive from us being a Carson partner? I think you've touched on some of them. Could you name a couple of direct things that you know they will experience differently through this partnership? I will. I actually was riding my bike the other day and I was just like, benefits of how the client at Carson benefits much better tech experience. And you're going to see that when they interact with our technology and not just like, oh, it looks pretty, but the substance of it, like where we can actually show life's moments and key decisions that we've made over the period of years with the client. Because I think it's really important to go down memory lane to see where we've been and it's healthy on taking us where we're going to go. We're committed to total transparency. They're going to be able to see who's getting paid what, how they're getting paid. The tax software I mentioned, we're also rolling out a service called FeeX, where for the first time, we can actually, in a very compliant, efficient way for the consumer, at the participant level, we can now manage their retirement assets for them, integrated into the ecosystem. Our top subject matter experts, which I talked about with the CPAs, the JDs, the CFAs, CFPs, all part of Carson. Our advanced solutions team, whether it's we've had some of the weirdest stuff come that you may only see two or three times in your career, but we've got a group that's seen it many times and they're able to advise. We've had, we're advising on how to depreciate and how to handle the tax on a force in Oregon, right? It's a totally right. different, different <laughs> area. Our, we don't have those in New York. You don't have them. <laughs> Our services. So we have trust capabilities to where... If you want to leave the assets in trust, you don't have to think, well, who's it going to go to? Who's going to be handling it for my family? That's all integrated into the overall servicing that we provide. Also, there's going to be a massive shortage of advisors in the future. There's roughly a half a million in the mid-90s. Today, there's 280-some thousand. 111,000 of those going to retire. So just like doctors, there's going to be very few advisors and then even fewer really good advisors relative to the demand And we are training. We have Carson University. We have Partner Academy where we're training the next generation of advisors. So I can look at you and your clients and say, we're going to be here at a high level, train the Carson way to service you, your children, your great grandchildren, your great great grandchildren on down the line. We have spent an enormous amount of effort in getting the data into clean data, which is, by the way, I think the new world currency, into a place where we're able to leverage 
these new technologies that will be coming out. Top communication. When something's going on in the world, we're writing about it, in some cases, through the night. So we're able to communicate with our clients in the morning. In the past, the stuff would come out two or three days later. Who wants to read about a crisis happening two or three days later or the tax? We actually had our people ready. And the few hours after it was passed, we actually had communications out to our clients around that. I actually remember when you guys put out the piece about the SECURE Act. Literally, the minute it's passed, you guys had something out there. I was sitting there, I was like, I cannot write something that in depth, that quickly, that fast. I was happy to put out like a half a page blog about it, just giving a high level overview. But that white paper that Jamie Hopkins put together was extremely powerful. And the timeliness, I mean, minute it was passed, it was out there and ready for the public, which was fantastic. And Jamie's a good example of top subject matter experts. I mean, he's not only an attorney, but he's a professor. He's been in the academic world for, what, 15 years and very, very, he's written many books and he works for you and I. We work together with Jamie. He's on our team for our clients. I always love to say nobody will out care us. Someone could care as much of us. No one's going to care more. And why is that important? Because it's the extra, that extra meeting, that extra thought, the extra going the mile, do something for the client. We also get, because of our size, we're $13 billion in assets, we get special pricing. There's a company right there in New York that we do business with because of its private placement. I don't think I can say the name of it because it's still being offered. But we are paying the same rate as CalPERS, which is a multi-billion dollar. And this is an institutional caliber offering that you typically would have had $10 million to invest with them to get it. We got that pricing for our clients. We also have no debt. So we have staying power. I believe our partners are the best trained in the profession because we have a morning meeting Monday through Thursday at 730. If you can't make it, it's recorded. We have a whole management and relationship group full of subject matter experts that train our advisors. And then we actually have training online and we do in-person training in Omaha, Nebraska. So I think, Ron, the interesting thing is you've given us a litany of things (laughs) and I I appreciate it. And I think the clients will have a sense or people who are clients of Carson now have a sense of what to expect. I find the interesting thing though, is at no point in that laundry list, was there any speak about investments? Yeah. And I think that you correct me if I'm wrong. I think the level of expectation that comes from clients is that we should be able to handle that. That's like a given. And really, the way we earn that fee that we're charging is really on that laundry list of other items that you went over. Do you agree with that? 100%. Investments are table stakes, Larry, and you need to be able to do them at a high level and to absolutely be competent. And nobody wants to pay a fee. I don't want to pay a fee. You don't want to pay a fee. Your clients don't want to pay a fee. But we're all willing to make an investment in our future. There's too much of our profession that's around collecting something and not giving more value than they've extracted. At Carson, we want to have you make an investment. When you make an investment, you expect to get a return on that investment. And all those things that we talked about, when put together, live in harmony and rhythm with your advisor and with your client, it makes a massive difference. I mean, just go back to the managing the assets for the participants. Advisor-led 
participant accounts, have an advisor attached to them, and this is not our study, this is other studies, do 3% better a year. 3%. The Vanguard study on comprehensive planning adds another, you know, 0.8 or 3 or 4, depending upon what you want to look at it. And you want to make sure that the investments, though, aren't riddled with fees and conflicts and all this other stuff that actually detract from what it is you're trying to accomplish. And we do a really great job and we have a lot of cool investments, but that's a small piece of what the overall value that's created and what's going to help you hit and maintain your goals and objectives in your life. I agree. We're on target on that. And listen, this is called the Midland Money Mindset. So what we want to know is what's one thing that you do each day that brings you joy and puts you in the right mindset for success? I get up every morning, Larry, and I meditate. It's a very, very first thing. Well, I put my dogs out. I'm a huge animal lover. So I get my dog. I have a cat. I get up. They all come back in. I give them a treat. The cat's in his spot for his treat. And then I meditate for a half hour. And I'm very much a family person. I have a grandson. I have three kids. I have another grandson on the way. He's supposed to be here Christmas Day. And I live in the moment. I used to, so much of my life, I would spend in the past or dwell on the future. And I've really, really become good at meditating and not to get too woo. really sets my mind in a great space to be clear for the day. And I love helping people. But my personal mission statement is to help friends, family, and others find more meaning and purpose in their life. We do that through financial services, but we're also very involved in nationally. I'm part of a coral global coalition, which is we're restoring our corals. I don't know if many, there's a great Netflix documentary called Chasing Coral that everybody ought to watch. We're funding uh, schools in Africa to feed kids. We're part of charity water and providing clean water for Scott Harrison. And then here in Omaha, we have Dreamweaver. We're doing end-of-life wishes for the terminally ill elderly. So every day, I'm grateful. I, uh, part of my meditation is just being grateful for the gift that we can actually have a positive impact on so many people. That's awesome. And that, I'm sure, sets you up for a huge success in your life. And Ron, I really appreciate you being a guest on the show. I appreciate you taking out the time. We look forward to continuing our Carson partnership and make it a great day. Thank you. Thanks, Larry. I want to thank Ron for joining us today and sharing his insight about how he built Carson Group to where it is today and what it means for Midland Financial to be a Carson partner. If you'd like to follow Ron on social media, he could be found mainly on Twitter at RCHusker, H-U-S-K-E. E-R. Yes, he's a huge Nebraska Cornhusker fan. So you can follow more of his content there. And if you want to learn more about being a Carson partner, you could, of course, contact me at any time. Thank you for joining us, Ron. We really appreciate you being a guest today. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandfinancial.com and be sure to smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content. And listen, please, don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. 
be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about the mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.